Good afternoon, Metro Augusta. This is Janice Allen Jackson welcoming you to the December 2nd edition of Local Matters, a show designed to make you a more confident voter and a more engaged citizen. Today's show, as always, is brought to you by my consulting firm, Janice Allen Jackson and Associates, LLC. And for the month of December, we have another sponsor, and that is the Augusta Alumni Chapter of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority, Incorporated. The reason that the sorority is sponsoring this month is because that runoff election takes place next month and they want to get as much information as possible out about the voting process, getting prepared, absentee ballots, and all of those things necessary to make sure that you have a plan to vote in the January 5th, 2021 general election runoff. In general, today I want to share with you the locations for early voting. Uh, early voting begins at the Bell Auditorium December 14th through 18th, 8.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. There's one Saturday during the early voting period, and that is Saturday, December 19th. After that, early voting resumes at the Bell December 21st through the 23rd. Starting on December 28th through December 31st, there will be early voting opportunities available at the Robert Howard Community Center at Diamond Lakes, the Henry Brigham Community Center uh, on Golden Camp Road, and the Warren Road Community Center at 300 Warren Road. Also, I want to briefly let you know, because there's been so much misunderstanding and confusion about this, everybody seems to know that the two Senate races will be on the ballot for January 5th, but there is another race, and that is for the Georgia Public Service Commission District 4. There are two competitors in those that race. I am hoping to have both of those on my show next week to help you get prepared for that particular election. And that is, again, for the Georgia Public Service Commission. I'll try to give you a general overview of what that commission is responsible for, as well as introduce you to those candidates. For today's show, however, I do have a guest who is going to be with us to discuss uh, the death of Mr. Willie H. Mays III. We know that he has been a significant figure in local government since the late 70s. We're just going to kind of reminisce on some of the uh, accomplishments and uh, things not only uh, done by Mr. Mays himself, but also his mother, Miss Carrie Mays, uh, during her tenure on the Augusta City Council. Hey, we are particularly honored by someone who is known as a premier historian in Augusta, but who is in fact not a historian. Uh, he has been in the Augusta area since the early 60s. He ran a newspaper that he's going to tell us a little bit about. Uh, he uh, taught and actually went to undergraduate school at Payne College after moving to this area from New York City. Uh, taught there for a number of years uh, in both the journalism program as well as the French program. Uh, and for those of you who've been around a while, you, you are able to guess who I'm talking about. Uh, for those of you who cannot guess from that description, uh, I will fill you in. He is Dr. Mallory Mellander. How are you doing today, Mr. Mel Dr. Mellander? Well, thank you. An honor to be on your program. 
Thanks so much for being with me. Uh, I set today's program up as a special tribute to the Mays family. Uh, we all know that our community just lost uh, Willie Mays III. Uh, he's the owner and proprietor of the Mays Funeral Home located over on James Brown Boulevard. Uh, and in that capacity, I actually uh, utilized his services to handle the services for both of my parents. Uh, so I know him in that capacity as a professional, uh, but we also have to think about the tremendous impact that both he and his mother had on Augusta community as elected officials. Uh, at one point uh, when I was growing up, his mom was uh, one of the only African-American women in elected office in the Southeastern United States. And I remember as a little girl, that gave me a great sense of pride. Um, it was one of those things that people think about and they say, oh, that's so unusual. There's a black woman serving on the city council. And some people might have found that unusual, but for me, I thought it was routine. I thought that was the way it was supposed to be. So uh, <laughs> in that sense, I didn't have the sort of glass ceiling feeling that some people have uh, because there were always uh, Black women in the Augusta area in positions of leadership. Um, you think about the woman who was pastor of the church that I now belong to, uh, Reverend Essie McIntyre. So we had a Black woman who was pastoring a church. We had a Black woman who had a high school named after her. Yes, and yes. we had a Black woman who was serving on the city council. So I just figured I could do whatever I wanted to do because hey. all the Black <laughs> women around setting those types of examples for me. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Milner, can you talk a little bit about uh, just your uh, memory of uh, Mrs. Carrie Mays? Oh, absolutely. Um, let me just inject, though, that all women were not enthusiastic about her going on city council. Uh, I can remember directly at least a woman saying, Nobody wants her down there with all those men. And they said that she wouldn't win. But she not only won, when she went up for re-election that year, I don't remember the reason for it, but I think that there were like 26 candidates running. She led the ticket. She got more votes than anybody. And she led the ticket all while she was on the council. Not only did she win and, and have this tremendous support locally, she became the first black woman for sure, and maybe the first woman to become secretary of the Democratic Party in Georgia, so that her appeal was statewide. And what she did, was to earn the respect of everybody, black or white. And she had a lot of white support in that. She, one, did not miss words. She said what she meant, and she meant what she said. For instance, um, I remember uh, how she talked about Hugh Hamilton. Hugh Hamilton was a, uh, a two-time mayor in Augusta, but they were like, the terms were separated by maybe 
a decade or so. But uh, somebody asked her if she was supporting Hugh Hamilton. She said, I would not support him on a sleigh ride to hell as much as I'd like to see him there. <laughs> but <laughs> that was Carrie Mays. You did not have to wonder where she stood on an issue. And she was not political in her stances. She examined the issues. She looked at how it affected the total community. And she took the position that she thought was the right position to take. And that's, that was the way that she led the community and the community literally adored her. I believe she served until uh, she became ill. Is that right? Yeah. Yes, she did. Yes, she did. And, and, and let me say that the thing that impressed me was the way Willie took care of her. She did not have an attendant or a nurse or that kind of thing. Willie was the person. Willie bathed his mother. He fed his mother. He took care of all of her needs. And even at her funeral, she was not taken out by Paul Barrows. Willie got behind the casket and he pushed her all the way out of the chapel at Payne College by himself. But that was Willie's approach to caring for her, for, for his mother. He was the one who took total charge. Yes, yes. And you know, as you say that, I remember running into him in IHOP one day. Um, this was when there was an IHOP there at Walton Way past 15th Street. I'm sure yes. you remember that. Yes. And I remember him coming in one day, ordering a meal for her and said, yeah, I had to come on over here because mama wanted some pancakes. Yes. You know, so yes, yes, he took care of every detail. That's exactly right. And I always admired him for that. Yes. So, um, and then I believe after she did pass away or after she became ill, uh, Willie actually ran for that seat, ran for her seat yes, yes. after having served on the county commission. Yes. And uh, he, he took over there. And then, of course, later on, after the consolidation of the Augusta and Richmond County government in the mid 90s, he represented Super District 9 on the new consolidated government, which meant that he served both the former Richmond County Commission, the Augusta City Council, and then the consolidated Augusta Richmond County Commission. Yes. So he is and will forever be the only person to do that um, yes. because the first two bodies have now been consolidated into one. So that also gives him a very unique distinction. That's right. That's right. Okay. In terms of um, uh, impact on the community and impact on policy, what would you think are some of the uh, greatest ways that um, Mrs. Carrie Mays as well as uh, her son, Willie Mays III, impacted Augusta? Well, <clears throat> 
I think the main thing was they were able to serve the entire community fairly, but they also looked out for the downtrodden. They looked for representation and ways to help the, the quality of life for what we might say the least of these our children. Uh, they worked with the Concerned Mothers Clubs Club, which uh, fed free breakfast to poor children. They did anything and everything that they could for poor people. They didn't neglect people who were more affluent, but they made it clear where their mission was and where they could make the most difference. And Willie got that same instinct from his mother. And they both had the capacity to work with people, to sit down and persuade people to their point of view and get their cooperation. Both of them could fight with the best of them, but they sought the, what is it? Uh, attracting more people with honey than with vinegar, they tried that approach first and they worked at it. If they had to fight you, they would beat you, but they would try to work with you first. And that uh, is, as you described that, I think about how that approach has been lost in large That's exactly part. Right. That's exactly um, right not just at the local and state levels, but at the federal level as well. Yes. Uh, I've had a couple of guests on uh, over the last few weeks who've talked about the Biden administration and how uh, the president-elect has pledged to um, try to unify the country as opposed to the types of divisions that we have seen yes. over the past several years. And I know we all kind of blame Donald Trump for it, but to be honest, things, were divided before he got into office. I mean, we saw sure. during the eight years of the Obama administration how divided things were. And, and you often question, are these folks really looking out for the good of the country or is there something else going on here? Um, if you could wave a magic wand and uh, work with uh, folks here on the local level, since my show focuses on the local if we could wave a magic wand, what do you think uh, would need to happen to bring that type of working together collegiality back? Is that something that's gone forever? Do you think we can ever get it back? I mean, what, what are your thoughts? I want to think that we can get it back, but I worry that we can't. People in that era, that is the late 60s through through the cities and somewhat beyond that as well. They realized how hard it was for Blacks to get in the position to help ourselves, to lift our people up. And they saw it as their responsibility to do that once they got in a position to do so. Our leaders too often today don't see that as a responsibility. 
they hear other people talking about um, serving the total community as if we have been equally treated all along. And we haven't. That's a reality. And they have a responsibility to try to bridge that gap. You don't have to neglect and abuse other people to reach down to those in greatest need. When you ignore those who are very needy, you are almost telling them that you don't care if they stay in that plight that they're in. And for me, that's unacceptable. And that's why I think the Bible says that you should serve the least of them or the, uh, the, the Jesus himself was most concerned about the most needy. I think that that is a sacred responsibility that we have, whether they are black or white. We need to serve people who cannot help themselves. Yes, and um, it seems as though you're right, that they're somehow gotten lost. I know when elected officials or the early African-American elected officials, that was the motivating factor for them to want to run for office is they wanted to do something better for uh, all the folks in their community that they knew needed and deserved better. And another thing that they did was to strategize on how to do that. That is to say that people like Lee Beard and um, Willie Mays and others who served during that era, they didn't just come to the meetings and then decide how they were going to approach problems. They did that well before the meeting. When they came to the meeting, their strategy was already set and they had no compunctions about working with each other beforehand. As a matter of fact, uh, you had what was called the South Side Mafia, uh, who used to meet, uh, some of them would meet in South Augusta, sometimes they would meet at Duke's Diner on Walton Way, but they did their uh, homework and strategizing well before they got to the commission meeting. The commission meeting was just a pro forma uh, presentation of what they had worked out in advance. And my understanding is that that does not happen anymore. And I think that the community suffers as a result. Yes. I think you're right. Uh, the community, communities, plural, let's make it plural, yes. do suffer. Um, I have seen that unfortunately play itself out in various uh, cities and counties across the country. As I talk to uh, my colleagues, as I work now with uh, uh, doing consulting work for other local governments, I see that the whole idea of statesmanship, I think that's what you're describing, yes. um, this notion of statesmanship has sort of gone out the window uh, and, and, and people just don't see the value of it. I, I remember one time, this goes way, way back in my career, but of course the meetings were televised. They were on our government access channel and uh, there were it would seem like there would be a show for the TV cameras as opposed to that effort up front to negotiate to make sure you were able to get what you wanted. Exactly. 
Exactly. I know that Ed McIntyre used to say that if he didn't know that he had the votes for something that he wanted to get passed, he didn't bring it up. He knew where his votes were all the time. That, that, that's exactly right. And you know, there are going to be sometimes that, that you lose. Um, and sometimes you want to make a statement in the law. Uh, we get that, but that should be the exception rather than the rule. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> that should be the exception rather than the rule. Exactly. You know, as we were talking to get prepared for this, we were you were talking about some of the early Black elected officials uh, in Augusta. And, you know, I may have actually, before we had that conversation, I may have been thinking that Karen Mays was, in fact, the first uh, Black uh, city council person, but that is not the case. You mentioned that there was another person on city council prior to that, predated her by a few years, and then no. there was somebody else who was actually on the school board. So can you talk through that early hierarchy of Black elected Yeah, uh, B.L. Dent was the first, and I believe that B.L. Dent was elected in 1965. It could have been 1966. Then Reverend Hamilton was elected. Grady Abrams was elected after that. Uh, I think that uh, T.A. Bowman, Theodore Bowman, who used to uh, run a service station in the corner of what is now Laney Walker and 12th Street, he was e elected. All of them were elected before Carrie Mays. Okay. And did Bowman, did he have a hardware store as well? Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. As yeah. a matter of fact, the hardware store and the and the service station were in the same building. In other words, you have the service station essentially outside where you drove up and, 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 and bought gas, but you could walk inside the hardware store uh, on the same site. Okay, yeah, I, I, I do recall that. I do recall that. So Miss Mays was the first woman, but there were several other African-Americans that predated her on the right, council. Right. And it's important to remember that she was not just the first Black woman. She was the first woman, period. Right, right, right. Okay. And if I recall correctly, um, Willie Mays was the youngest elected official at that time in, in Augusta, I think. I believe that's right. I believe he I was. Believe right. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. And as, which means I'm going to have to uh, needle Jordan Johnson to find out exactly how old he is to see which okay. one of them. Jordan's <laughs> pretty young too. Okay. I'm going to have to there was, dab him in to see there was, which yeah. one is was actually the youngest. There was a young white person uh, from Harrisburg um, who was elected. Uh, I don't think that he served more than one term, but he was very young too. Uh, I just can't remember his name at the moment. Okay. There's one other piece of history that I want you to share because people may not remember this, but as you, as we mentioned earlier, you taught journalism at Payne College and you actually put that journalism education into practice. Can you talk about how you did that? Well, I thought of the community as an extended classroom. There were just so much that the majority media did not report a black, uh, about the black community. And much of it was intentional. 
for instance, um, the black community had twice defeated consolidation. And at that time, you could get things passed through the legislature without a referendum. So the powers that be tried to get McIntyre thrown out of office without the community having a say-so about it or even knowing about it. What happened was they put together a consolidation bill that not only would consolidate the city and the county governments, it dissolved the office of the mayor. They said that you no longer needed a mayor, that the, the trend was toward city managers. So they developed this consolidation plan without the knowledge of the community at all. However, they had to get pre, and I had a platform through my newspaper where I could inform the community about it, and I did. Mm -hmm. And then the other media had to cover it. And then there had to be a referendum on it. And it was defeated for a third time. All right. And that, that shows that the Black media plays an important role in terms of holding people accountable and Absolutely. letting people know what's happening. What was the name of that paper? That was the Augusta News Review. The Augusta uh, some people. How long did you operate that the the for, your paper? For fourteen years. Fourteen years from approximately when to when? It was from um, nineteen seventy one to nineteen eighty five. Okay, which happened to coincide then with some tremendous shifts in terms of political power in Augusta. That's exactly right. Okay, that, but uh, I don't know if we have time, but you had other things like. Um, there was a black man in Aiken by the name of Harry Carson McFadden who had three white mistresses and who came up missing one morning. He left to go to work at the Savannah River site and didn't get to work. One of those mistresses and looked out and saw him hanging. Now, the... Coroner's report was really interesting. The coroner said that there was a liquor bottle and a bucket near the chinaberry tree. So he theorized that um, McFadden got drunk, climbed up into the chinaberry tree and swung out. And the bruises on his body were from his body hitting against the tree. Now, as I interviewed people in Aiken, almost invariably, when they found out what I was, what I wanted to talk to them about, they almost invariably started to tremble. But when I was able to gain their confidence, they sometimes told me about the hanging before that, 
or the one before that. Uh, it was it was a, 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 a very tense situation just talking to people about it. But um, that in, that appeared in the Augusta Chronicle in no more than two paragraphs, about two inches deep. Uh, and it said that he committed suicide and there was no further investigation. But those were the kinds of stories that I was happy to be able to share with the community. And, and I'm going to ask you one more thing about that uh, to try to bring this conversation full circle. Name somebody that we just discussed who was an investor in that newspaper. Mm. <laughs> somebody that we just discussed. Yes. I don't know who. No, that would have been uh, Mrs. Mays, correct? Yes, of course, of course. Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course she was. Uh, she was one of the original investors in the paper, and she supported the paper totally all the time. And anyway, um, I only remember that I did one thing that she didn't swallow well. And I'm not, I, to this day, I really don't know why, but I refer to her in an article as the ailing Carrie Mays. Oh. She does not like that. I bet not. <laughs> she did not. not. You were talking too much. Yes, you were talking yes. way too much. <laughs> I, I would love for us to be able to continue this conversation, but unfortunately it's time for us to get ready to close out the show. So thank you so much for bringing that perspective on the Mays family and their impact on Augusta politics and all of the background from the last uh, 50 years, 50 plus years of Augusta politics. I really appreciate you being with me today. Well, thank you. It's certainly an honor for me to talk about Carrie Mays or Willie Mays. I close with my favorite Bible verse from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. This show is designed to contribute to each of those, giving you the power that comes with knowledge demonstrating love for your local community and offering you wisdom for decision-making so that you possess a sound mind when it comes to these topics. Please tune in next Wednesday at 1.30 p.m. here on WKZK, 1600 AM, 103.7 FM, and WKZK.net because local matters.